0: That's NOOM.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball.
1: Welcome, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I'm your host, Daniel Port, here on the First Pitch Podcast, looking to recap all of the baseball action from Tuesday. There was a ton of stuff to go over, lots of big news. So I want to try and cover everything here. We're going to start with the injury news and notes. To start off, the Atlanta Braves. So... Mike Soroka will make a rehab start with AAA Gwennett on Friday. Ozzie Albies will begin a rehab assignment on Thursday with A Gwennett as well. And Ronald Acuna is listed as day-to-day. He was out of the lineup on Tuesday against the Rockies. That's his third straight game being out. But apparently, according to Atlanta manager Brian Snichter, he is responding well to treatment on his sore right knee and will remain day-to-day. We'll just have to keep an eye on his status. For the Baltimore Orioles, Tyler Wells completed a 30-pitch bullpen session yesterday as he's attempted to come back from an oblique injury, and he's expected to throw a simulated game or pitch in a rehab game at High A Aberdeen as soon as this weekend. For the Boston Red Sox, Nathan Eovaldi threw another bullpen session on Monday as he's coming back from a shoulder injury, and Tanner Houck actually ended up not throwing live batting practices scheduled on Tuesday due to continued back soreness. The, for the Chicago Cubs, Wilson Contreras says listed day-to-day. He was removed from Tuesday's loss to the Blue Jays with left ankle soreness. And according to pitching coach Tommy Hatovi, Keegan Thompson will throw a live batting practice session in the next 7 to 10 days as he is on the injured list with a back injury right now. For the Chicago White Sox, manager Tony La Russa said Yasmani Grandal is expected to be reinstated from the 10-day injured list today as he has been out with a knee injury. And Luis Robert was not in the lineup on Tuesday against the Royals. He is day-to-day with a wrist injury. We'll see what his status is for today. For Cincinnati Reds, manager David Bell said yesterday that Matt Reynolds will begin a rehab assignment soon as he is out with a hip injury right now. The Colorado Rockies made a couple moves. The first move they made is they recalled Sean Bouchard from Triple A. He plays in both the infield and the outfield, and he has had one heck of a season down there in Triple A. He, in 312 plate appearances, he already has 20 home runs and 15 doubles on the season, while boasting a 14.1% walk rate and a 22.4% uh, uh, strikeout rate. Definitely, uh, to give you an idea, that leads to a he, uh, he also has a 404 OBP with a 1.038 OPS on the season. Lots of like, he was a 149 wRC plus hitter down there. There at AAA. Obviously, we'll have to see how well he does, but there's a lot of power potential there in his profile, and really has played well at every level coming up through the minors. Keep an eye on Bouchard as he starts getting some playing time there in Colorado. They also selected the contract of Michael Toglia, who, again, also bounces between the infield and the outfield. Baseball America coming this the season listed Toglia as the number two prospect for the Rockies, so they expect big things out of him. And actually, if you look, I don't blame them. In the minors this year, across Double A AA and AAA, he has 30 home runs and 20 doubles on the season while hitting 249 with a 341 OBP and an 852 slugging percentage. Both he and Bouchard could be really big additions if they get consistent playing time and start hitting for power this season. They also optioned Witten Bernard, and they also sent down Sam Hilliard, who, it's a shame. I really think he just needs a change of scenery at this point, because a lot of his numbers look good. He's got a a 92-mile-per-hour exit velocity, a 13.4-degree launch angle, and a 9.2% barrel rate, and a 48.7% hard hit rate. So, like, he's doing a lot of good things. He's been making pretty good swing decisions. He's not, he only chases out his own 20.6% of the time. He just isn't working there in Colorado, and I wonder if he could perhaps revitalize his career with a fresh start somewhere else. But we'll have to wait till the offseason for that, most likely. For the Detroit Tigers, the Tigers manager A.J. Hinch said that Austin Meadows took part in a workout at Comerica Park on Tuesday, but the 27-year-old remains without a timeline to return from the 10-day injured list as he's still suffering from an Achilles injury. He was quoted by Evan Woodbury of uh, MLive.com as saying, we're still sorting through a game plan for him. We have not ramped him up to full activity. So stay. we'll keep you abreast on that. For the Houston Astros, Martin Maldonado is day-to-day. He didn't start on Tuesday, and they've already announced they will be holding him out of today's game as well against the Rangers due to swelling in his right hand. Jordan Alvarez is also listed today with a hand injury. He was not in the lineup yesterday, and we'll have to monitor his status for today. And then unfortunately, Justin Verlander was placed on the 15-day injury list with a calf injury. An MRI turned up negative, and there's no timetable for his return yet, but Verlander said last night that he does not expect to be out long. With Verlander out, the Astros have decided to bring up Hunter Brown. Fangraphs has Hunter Brown listed as the number two prospect in their organization coming into the season and is considered one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. They have him listed with a 60-grade fastball and curveball, and his slider is at a 55-grade with the potential to get up to a 60. Clearly, it's very nasty stuff. And They say that he throws up in the upper 90s for velocity, and he's been fantastic so far this season down in AAA with a 9-4 and record with a 2.55 ERA over 106 innings pitched, striking out 31.5% of the hitters that he's facing. He does seem to have some walk uh, issues with a 10.6% walk rate. We'll have to see if that carries over into the majors, but he has been absolutely nasty. If you have the space on your roster or you need a nice boost here after all the injuries we've seen with Verlander and Zach Wheeler and Michael Kopech going down, then maybe if you need a boost to your rotation, Hunter Brown could be really uh, a great addition. Now, moving on... Um, Uh, For the Kansas City Royals, Edward Olivares began his rehab assignment yesterday as he comes back from a quadriceps injury. Clayton Kershaw is looking to make his return from the injured list as he comes back from a back injury. He will start Thursday's game against the Mets, according to the schedule right now. For the Miami Marlins, Jazz Chisholm will be evaluated next week uh, to see how he is recovering from his back injury and see if he can make a return this season. For the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy Tellez was not in the lineup yesterday for yesterday's game. He had actually left Monday's game early due to a knee injury. He's clearly still feeling that. We'll have to keep an eye on his status today. For the Minnesota Twins, Tyler Male is listed uh, as the probable starter for Saturday's game against the White Sox as he will make his return from a shoulder injury. And Jorge Polanco did not play yesterday with a kneecap injury and is listed as day-to-day. For the Mets, Brett Beatty was unavailable uh, during yesterday's loss to the Dodgers due to a thumb injury, and Carlos Carrasco is expected to return from the 15-day injured list during this weekend's series after he felt fine following a 55-pitch simulated game on Monday. For the New York Yankees, according to manager Aaron Boone, Harrison Bader began hitting off a tee yesterday and is in a 10-day ramp-up to start a rehab assignment. Jameson Tyone was struck during his start yesterday with a line drive and is listed currently as day-to-day, and Zach Britton suffered a glute injury in his rehab assignment. We should know more about his status soon. The Oakland Athletics will call up prospect Ken Waldachuk. They acquired him in the Frankie Montas deal to make his major league debut and start on Thursday. Waldachuk has been a strikeout machine down in AAA so far this season as he has boasted a 34% K rate. If nothing else, he should probably be able to provide some strikeouts there. He will make his debut as I mentioned on Thursday. Fangress has enlisted as having 60 fastball with a potential 65 grade and a 60 grade changeup as well to go with that with a potential 70. So he's got some real nasty stuff. I definitely recommend uh, taking a look at Waldachuk if You have the space on your roster as he could help replace some of those missing aces as well. From there, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies announced that Zach Eflin threw about 20 pitches during a bullpen session yesterday as he comes back from a kneecap injury. And Nick Castellanos is day-to-day with a toe injury. He did not play yesterday. We'll have to keep an eye on his status today. For the Giants, Austin Slater is day-to-day. He will get an MRI on his dislocated left pinky finger today and won't play in the series finale versus the Padres. Joey Bart was placed on the seven-day injury list yesterday with a concussion. And Brandon Belt received a second opinion on his right knee Tuesday and was recommended surgery. He'll take the next 24 hours to weigh his options before deciding whether or not to undergo the procedure. For the Seattle Mariners, they uh, recalled infielder Abraham Toro from Triple A Tacoma. Dylan Moore was placed on the 10-day injured list yesterday. Said his right oblique injury is considered grade one and grade two strain. The Mariners plan to activate Matthew Boyd from the 60-day injured list tomorrow. And Sam Haggerty is day-to-day with a finger injury. J.P. Crawford is day-to-day with a pectoral injury as well. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they recalled Ryan Yarborough from AAA Durham. Shane McClanahan did not make his start today. He was scratched right before the start as he was diagnosed with a left shoulder. Isaac Paredes was scratched from today's lineup against the Marlins as he is day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. And Brendan Lau was Not in the lineup yesterday with an elbow injury. We'll have to monitor his stats for today. So that's all the news notes. Now, moving on to the hitters that caught my eye yesterday. Starting with the Guardians, Stephen Kwan went one for three with a double and two RBIs and a walk. He is now up to a 373 OBP on the season. And looking at actually only two left fielders in history have had a rookie season where they ended up with an OBP over 370 and more than 0.9 defensive war, according to baseball reference. Uh, That is Stephen Kwan and Wade Boggs. That's it. The only two. And that's actually not a half bad comparison for Kwan's skill set. And Kwan has much more speed than Wade Boggs did. And he currently has more extra base hits. Than, than Wade Boggs did in his rookie season, so a lot of stuff to like there. His roster percentage is creeping up, so uh, make sure if he is out there, go get him, especially if you're in an OBP league, if you're in a points league, uh, he is scoring runs like crazy as well, with 5 in his uh, runs scored in his last 7 games, he's got 10 over his last 15, and 21 runs scored over his last 30 games, so Stephen Kwan is a must-add in my opinion, go pick him up uh, ASAP if he's out there. Josh Naylor went one for fourth, a two-run home run. Naylor had been mired in a bit of a slump for almost all of August. His last home run had come all the way back on August 12th. He's hit just 205 in August with a 264 WP and a 289 slugging percentage. It does look like he may be turning things around, though, as he does have at least one hit in seven of his last 10 games. One thing that's really affected him in August is he struggles against left-handed pitching. Uh, so far in his career, he's hit just 193 against them. And of his 87 plate appearances in August, 28 of them were against left-handed pitching, which is almost triple what it's been in other months so that could help explain some of the struggles that the most played appearance against left-hand pitching he's seen all year with that being said his his snack gas numbers they look all right he's got a 88.2 mile per hour exit velocity on the, on the month a 10.7 launch angle and a 7 percent barrel rate with a 38 percent hard hit rate it's not ideal and nowhere near what he's been doing all season long but not terrible either Fun fact, too, he's also stolen two bases in his last 15 games, and he's stolen five bases across his last 30 games. If he can end up somewhere in Anthony Rizzo, Carlos Santana range there at first base when they're at their peaks where they steal eight to ten bases a season, that can be really valuable. And if he can get you a handful of stolen bases at first base, you know, down here down the stretch, that could be really useful here. He's widely available. I definitely recommend taking a look at Josh Naylor. Just be aware he doesn't always play every day because the Guardians are really protecting him with that as he still recovers from that leg injury uh, from last year. For the Rays, Yanni Diaz went two for three with a run in an RBI. Over his last seven games, he's stayed red hot. He's hitting 393 with a 643 slugging percentage and a home run over that time for a stolen base. Over his last 15 games, he's hitting 345 with a 603 slugging percentage. So he has been hot for a while. You know, he's actually walked more than he struck out so far in the season with a 13.8% walk, 10.3% strikeout rate. He barely swings and misses. He's been a 142 wRC plus hitter on the season. There's a lot to like about Yandy Diaz, uh, especially considering he's leading off for the Tampa Bay Rays. I definitely recommend if you need some runs, if you need some average help, especially if you're in an OBP or points league, just not like Stephen Kwan. You should go out and be uh, you should go out and be adding Yandy Diaz as well. Jose Siri went three for four with three runs scored, two RBIs, a home run, and a double. This is his fifth home run of the season and his second home run in his last seven games. He uh, Siri's actually turned a corner here. He's hit 375 over his last seven games and 280 over his last 15 games with a 750 slugging percentage over his last seven games and a 500 slugging percentage over his last 15 games. This is his second home run in his last four games. He's got nine hits overall in his last seven games. And the shift I've seen, it looks like, in his approach, he's pulling the ball even more uh, than ever. And he's been a pretty extreme pull hitter over his career, but it is going gone even beyond that. And over his last 15 games, he's bumped his barrel rate from 6.6% on the year to 9.7%. So he's starting to barrel the ball up more. He's pulling the ball. I don't recommend necessarily going and picking him up yet. Keep an eye on him. You never know if this is uh, a breakout that's getting started or if he's just going to get on a hot streak. So keep an eye on Jose Siri, but don't go pick him up just yet. For the athletics, Dermis Garcia went one for four with his first career home run. Congratulations, Dermis. With two RBIs and a walk, Dermis is noted for having power potential. He had 31 home runs at AA in 2021. He has 13 home runs this season at A in just 278 plate appearances before he got called up. So definitely there's power here to be had. He does have troubling strikeout rates in the minor, upwards of uh, 30%. And uh, right now, that's carried over into the majors, even if it's just a small sample of just 28 at-bats. he struck out 41.9% of the time so far in the majors on the season. I could see if you really need the power. He could be an interesting speculative adder if you've got room on your roster, as it definitely has the power in his swing. Just unfortunately, a lot of swing and miss baked in there. I don't think he's going to continue to hit 321 on the season here with that kind of swing and miss in, in his profile. Really, honestly, bring up Dermis more so we can see how we feel about him for next season uh, and where we're going to kind of place him on our draft. Draft boards next year. For the Nationals, Lane Thomas went two for four with a home run and two RBIs and a walk as well. He's been red hot right now for his last seven games, seeing 308 with a 358 slugging percentage and two home runs and a stolen base. Thomas has always been billed over his career as uh, more of a doubles. Power hitter than he is home runs, but it looks like he's actually starting to make a shift in his profile and his approach to move beyond doubles power to actually trying for more home runs. In August, where he's been hitting really well, he's actually got his barrel rate up to 11.9% with a launch angle up to 10.6%, which is up from all of his year long numbers. Uh, he's hitting the ball harder and it, Trying to pull the ball a lot more too. He's got his pull percentage in August up to 53.7%, which is extreme. But when you combine it with a 35.8% fly ball rate, you can see when he does hit the ball in the air and barrel it up, he's getting the most out of every single time he does it because he has a 20.8 home run per fly ball percentage. that is really, really great. The only downside is he also has a 12.5% infield fly ball rate. Though so there are some trade-offs in that, but he's definitely hitting for a lot more power. He's hitting the ball a lot harder. It's very encouraging to see, especially when he's still making contact at a 79.1% rate there as well and not chasing it given his 28.1% O swing percentage. These are all really encouraging numbers. It definitely could show there might be a possible change in approach here Are we talking Lane Thomas being a a 250, 25 home run, 10 stolen base kind of hitter in the future here? I definitely could see that. In the meantime, he is red hot right now He's hitting for a good amount of power with that near 500 slugging percentage over his last 30 games If you need outfield help, especially in runs with a little bit of pop, maybe a couple stolen bases Thomas could be a really great addition here down the stretch as I like what I'm seeing from him here in August also for the Nationals, Joey Minesis went 3-for-5 uh, with 3 doubles. Two RBIs and a run scored. Over his last seven games, he has not let up at all. He's hitting 407 with a 704 slugging percentage, a home run, and those 3 doubles. In, in his 84 at-bats so far in the season, he has 6 home runs and 6 doubles. He's hitting for a ton of power. And I actually don't really see signs that he's going to slow down. He has an 11.1% barrel rate with a 44.4% hard hit rate on the season. His launch angle is not exactly where I'd like it at 9.5%, but he is hitting the ball pretty hard with a 91.2 mile per hour exit velocity. So there's a lot to like here, and even if you're go, yeah, I think it's 348 uh, batting average is going to regress. There are some good signs with his xBA of 280. It's still decently encouraging there. And one thing, when I was looking through his highlights, one thing I really loved about Meneses when I was watching all of his doubles, I wanted to see how far he was hitting them and how he was going about them. On the season of those six doubles, at least three of them were hits where he took an outside pitch and just went with it. And he slapped it the other way into the power alley, uh, going the opposite way with it. And to me, that's the sign of a really well-rounded hitter: is that when he sees a pitch, he's not going to just try and pull it. Even when it's not the kind of pitch you want to do that, he's just going to take what you give him and work with it. I, I really like what that says about his uh, hitting approach and his profile. And yeah, of course, sure, regression is coming at some point to a certain degree. But I do think the power is real. I think the approach is. And heck, the, with the way we know regression works, we might not even see that regression until next year. And even when it does, I still think he'll be a really good play. For the Rockies, Randall Gricek went two for five with a run scored. He's now up to hitting 277 on the season here, but with a 431 slugging percentage. Over his last seven games, he's hitting 423 with a 500 slugging percentage. And I don't know if we're necessarily going to get. A full-on 31 home run Randall Griechek again, as that's hard sometimes in Coors with how large that stadium is. But he has been really good in August. He has a 132 WRC plus with a 337 uh, batting average and a 871 OPS. And what's really fascinating is if you start digging into his August numbers there, uh, he's got a 90.9 uh, mile per exit velocity, a 6.1 degree launch angle, an 8.2% barrel rate, and a 42.5% hard hit rate. He's pulled the ball 43.8% of the time um, with a 28.8% fly ball percentage. If nothing else, he's going to hit for some pretty good average there in Coors and could be a nice source of their runs as he is currently leading off for the Rockies there. In addition... El Herus Montero went one for four with a double and uh, he's been pretty good uh, over his last seven games. He's got three home runs in his last seven games with a 250 batting average of a 667 slugging percentage. His numbers look fantastic from a stat cast standpoint. He's got a 91.3 mile per hour exit velocity, 12.7 degree launch angle, and a 12.2% barrel rate with a 44.6% hard hit rate. Those are really encouraging numbers. I like what I see there. He's got a ton of power in his profile. He's hitting the ball in the air a ton with a 41.9% fly ball rate, 44.6% pull. Per- Along with those stat cast numbers, that's a recipe before a lot of home runs, um, and after the Braves, oh, who they're currently facing, the Rockies get the Reds in Cincinnati, and then they come back home where he's been crushing the ball against the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. So that could be a really nice stretch for Montero. I definitely recommend going and picking him up if you need some power. For the Twins, Nick Gordon went 2 for 4 with a run scored, uh, 6 RBIs and a home run, and a double. He has been really great uh, for actually quite a while now. Over his last 30 games, hitting 3-11 with a 5-11 slugging percentage, 2 home runs and 3 stolen bases over that time period. I guess he had really struggled with COVID last year, I mean, in 2020, and finally took them all in 2021 to come back around and really bulk up, and it sounds like he's put on some muscle mass, has really started hitting the ball a lot harder, because actually if you look at his numbers since June 1st, he's got 5 home runs over the time period, 5 stolen bases, he's hit 290 since then, has been a 135 WRC plus hitter over that time period, with a, 90, a 91.4 mile per hour exit velocity, a 15.4 degree launch angle, a 12.9% barrel rate, and a 50.4% hard hit rate, you pull those numbers together, and he is going to start hitting for a lot more power, he does have some swing and miss in his game with a 15.1% swing uh, strike rate, but it's worth noting he has 19 doubles in the season. Eight of those doubles went further than 350 feet, and four of them went further than 370 feet, so it's worth noting he might be growing into some power. I definitely would be adding him. Uh, he's been really good for about three months now uh, and doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon. He might give you a little bit of pop, some stolen bases, some average help, nice all-around production. For the Rangers, Bubba Thompson hit his first career home run. Congratulations, Bubba. And since being brought up for the Rangers there, he's actually been having a really nice debut. He's hitting 275 with a 324 OBP and a 333 slugging percentage. I wouldn't expect much more power. That's not really his game. What he does do is steal a ton of bases. He's very fast. He's hit 353 over his last seven games, and over that time period, he's stolen three bases as well. And he's already up to eight stolen bases in just 69 at-bats. He's got speed. He could absolutely rack up a ton of stolen bases. Even if he's not necessarily going to contribute in power, I don't know what to make of the batting average. Uh, every scouting report I read, the scouts weren't very high on his hit tool. But then again, you look and he hit for a pretty good average there in double A in 2021, hitting 275 as well. And then here coming up in triple A in 2022, he hit 303 uh in 80 games. You know, I don't know if maybe he's figured something out and, and has surpassed the original scouting reports over that time period. But uh, if nothing else, if he can just get on base at a decent clip, he should be good for a gaggle of stolen bases down the stretch. So if you need stolen bases, he might fit that role as a kind of a poor man's John Birdie there. So for the Royal, Nick Prado hit two home runs and a double, going four for five with three RBIs and three runs scored. Prado's been turning it on in his last seven games with those three home runs, uh, hitting .348 with a .913 slugging percentage. And he's certainly shown he can hit for that power. Uh, the hard part is trying to figure out when it all comes together. You look at the numbers and it's all over the place. Stackhouse-wise, he's got... Uh, a 16.7% barrel rate, which is great, and a 37.5% hard hit rate, which is fine, but not great. But then you look, and his exit velocity is 86.6 miles per hour, which is not good at all, and his launch angle is 22.8 degrees, which is a little too high. It's a little all over the place right now, but what I do know is he's got a current fly ball percent of 58.6% on the season, and along with a 48.6% pull percentage, so as he starts learning how to make better contact consistently, that should uh, improve, especially with hitting the ball in the air that much and pulling it that often should lead to good results, and especially if maybe he can even be one of those people who, as long as he's barreling the ball up pretty consistently, still gets to his power pretty readily as well. So definitely keep an eye on Nick Prado to see if he is getting it going. For the White Sox, Gavin Sheets in that same game also hit two home runs, going two for five with five RBIs and two runs scored. Sheets has been really good in August. Um, He's uh, hit 315 over his last 30 games with a 5.62 slugging percentage and five home runs. He has three home runs in his last Seven game he's started to show real flashes of that 70 grade raw power that scouts love about him and like i said he's been pretty fantastic in august with a 187 wrc but he's had pretty mediocre stat cast numbers over that time period which confuses me um he's got good excellent velocity, 90.3 miles per hour but at 9.5 degree launch angle is not that great he's only got 3.8 percent barrel rate which makes zero sense and what i do wonder is if you look at his fly ball percent which is at 34 percent he has a home run per fly ball percent of 22.2 percent so he might be one of those people who may not Hit fly balls as often, might not barrel as often, but when he does hit a fly ball, he gets the most out of it, getting consistently to that home run distance. Uh, so keep an eye on Gavin Sheets. Uh, if nothing else, if he needs some power, could be worth a pickup. For the Brewers, Colton Wong went two for three with a double and a home run, two RBIs, and a walk. Uh, over his last seven games, he hit 429 with a one slugging percentage, three home runs over that time period as well. Over his last 50 games, he's also stolen two bases, and his last 30 games, he's stolen three bases overall. And Wong's been very good here in August with a 137 WRC+, uh, hitting right in the heart of that Brewers lineup, which is a pretty darn good offense. He, just another kind of Nick Gordon-like all-around could give you a little bit of pop, some stolen bases, some good average, a little bit of everything in there, especially as he has moved to a 45% pull percentage. He's up to slide ball percentage to 39% up there. Uh, you might see a little more power out of Colt Wong than we are used to, and he's really especially right now teeing up fastballs. If you're looking at a daily league or in DFS, starting him against any pitcher who throws a lot of fastballs could be really useful there as well. For the Phillies, Brandon Marsh went 2-for-4 with a home run and three RBIs. I was reading a report that he 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 has actually reworked his swing since joining the Phillies. Clean it up, remove some of the noise from that swing, and he got rid of his double toe tap. And since then, he's been hitting the ball really well as he's hitting two eighty six over his last seven games with a four seventy six slugging percentage with that home run and a stolen base. Just watch Brandon Marsh. Don't go pick him up or anything yet, but keep an eye on him and see if this is uh, here to stay. For the Diamondbacks, uh, Jake McCarthy went 2-for-5 with a home run and a triple and 5 RBIs. I talked in yesterday's podcast here on the First Pitch Podcast about Jake McCarthy and why I'm really excited about what he's doing and why you should go pick. Go check out that uh, episode if you want to see why, but I think he's a must-add player right now for the Diamondbacks. Corbin Carroll went 2-for-5 with 2 runs scored and 3 RBIs. Two games as a pro, he's got two doubles. He's got five RBIs already. He's fast. He's got a great hit tool. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. He's a must-add every single place he's available right now. Finally, to some of the hitters for the Giants, Jock Peterson went two for two. He came into this game midway through, but he hit his 20th home run in the ninth inning. And I talked about... Peterson yesterday as well pretty extensively, so go check out yesterday's podcast to hear about that, but he's got a really nice stretch of right-handed pitchers coming up, I I told you to go pick him up because I think he's uh, when he's facing right-handed pitching, he can really do some nice things for your lineup, so definitely go look at picking up Jock Peterson there as well. So moving on from the hitters into the pitchers, Mitch Keller for the Pirates went six innings pitched with two earned runs and ten strikeouts while walking only two, no one saw that coming and I wouldn't buy into it. He was mixing his fastball slider very effectively in this one, he got four strikeouts with each pitch and overall he had 14 whiffs on the day but I think this feels like more of a random fluke start where everything clicked, and he's never going to be able to find that consistently again. So don't buy into this from Mitch Keller. I would not go anywhere near him. He has the Mets for his next start, and that is a pass for me for sure. For the Brewers, Jason Alexander went five innings pitched with one earned run and six strength. The fact that uh, Jason Alexander was able to get through five innings pitched in just 59 pitches is pretty impressive, but then again, it was against the Pirates, so take it with a great assault. He threw 69% of his pitches for strikes, uh, and if he does that against a good team, he does not have the stuff to get away with that. He does get Arizona next, and with all these youngsters like Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy coming up and hitting well, that might actually start becoming a pretty good offense, so I'm going to avoid that start for now and avoid Jason Alexander for now. For the Royals, Brady Singer got roughed up, going 4.2 innings pitched with 4 earned runs and 4 strikeouts, 1 home run and a walk, Uh, this was a weird one, Singer was pitching really well and cruising until he got in the 5th and then it all fell apart for him, his slider was still pretty good, it got 7 whiffs on the day, so I'm thinking this is just a weird blip, I wouldn't worry about it too much, I'm still on board with Brady Singer, he gets the Tigers next, so that should be a good start for him, I'm definitely starting him there. For the Rangers, Dane Dunning went 5 innings pitched with 2 earned runs, 3 runs given up overall. Three walks and five strikeouts. He got away with the walks in this one. Usually, uh, that's his Achilles heel. They always come back to haunt him. I have a hard time getting too excited about what this looks like. because It looks like a solid start. But he also had 10 base runners given up in five innings. Because he also had seven hits to go with those three walks. If you're only going to get seven whiffs in the game and have that many base runners, that's going to come back to bite you pretty often. But for now, I'm staying away from Dane Donning. The Tigers, I was excited to see Matt Manning pitch. And it did not go. He you know, 2.1 innings his pitch, giving up seven earned runs and only getting one strikeout while getting, giving up two home runs. He was not able to effectively use a slider in this one against a very good Mariners team, and that's the key for Matt Manning. He has to be able to locate that slider. It's not nasty enough. If he's not locating it, it's going to get crushed, and that's what happened in this game as he gave up a bunch of home runs. Uh, he gets the Royals in his next game, and honestly, I'll probably end up starting him in that one. It makes me a bit nervous, uh, but I probably still would start him there. For the Dodgers, Andrew Haney went five innings pitched with uh, two earned runs, three runs given up overall, eight strikeouts and two home runs given up. Uh, home runs are what have hurt Haney. That's been his Achilles heel all season. And even then, he was still pretty solid. He had a fantastic 21 whiffs in the outing. His four-seamers outrageously good with a 42 CSW percent. His slider was really solid as well with a 36% CSW rate. I'm all on board with Andrew Haney if he's out there in your leagues. For me, he's a must-start right now. So that's the pitching that I saw uh, and what really caught my eye in yesterday's games. Real quick, we're going to take a real quick break here. Allow me to catch my breath, and then we'll be right back.
0: Thank you. Welcome back. Let's check in actually with Mark Paquette for the weather here today. Thank you very much. Well, looking at today, we have a split schedule with afternoon and evening games. Very common for Wednesday being a getaway day. And today we should have very little or no issues with rain. Actually, we'll just go with no. I don't see any games interfered with rain. So that's a good thing. And we end August on a tremendous weather note. Have a good one and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you so much, Mark. So, real quick, let's also
1: talk about what I'm excited for today. In today's games, the Orioles and the Guardians are playing again. Day two of this battle, where both are jockeying to stay either in the playoffs or get into the playoffs. We got Jordan Lyles going with Tristan McKenzie. Should be a pretty fun game. The Astros and the Rangers are going toe to toe with a fun pitching matchup with Christian Javier facing Martin Perez. The Dodgers are facing the Mets. That's a great one with Tyler Anderson going against Jacob DeGrom. The Red Sox are facing the Twins. Two teams are the opposite of the Red Sox are trying to stay in the playoffs with with the Orioles nipping at their heels. And the Twins are trying to catch back up to the Guardians. This is a big game. As well, with Michael Walker going up against Joe Ryan. But the marquee matchup is the Yankees going up against the Angels. So we got Garrett Cole going against Patrick Sandoval. That should be a really fun pitching matchup. And in terms of hitters, I'm looking at stream. Any Royals can get my hands against Lance Lynn, Nick Prado, Michael Taylor, anyone in that range. And the other side of that, also, any White Sox going against Chris Bubich, that you can get your hands on. So, Gavin Sheets, as he's hitting pretty hot right now. Any Mariners going against Tyler Alexander of the Tigers. So, Carlos Santana, maybe. Any Mariners should go pretty well there. Any Guardians going against Jordan Lyles. So, we mentioned Stephen Kwan. Or Josh Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez, some hitters to look at. Any Brewers going up against Z.R. Thompson of the Pirates. We talked about Garrett Mitchell uh, yesterday. That might be a good one to look at there. And any Padres you can get your hands on, like Jerusalem Profar or anything like that, going up against Alex Wood, who's really struggled lately as well. In terms of pitchers to stream, there's not a lot of matchups I really like. If someone lost their patience after Jose Quintana got roughed up in his last start, and you can pick him up. Jose Quintana's facing the Reds. That should be a nice matchup for him there. Mitch White's going up against the Cubs for the Dodgers. That could be a really nice start going up against the Cubs. And Marco Gonzalez is actually going up against the Tigers. So that could be a really nice start there if you want a nice high floor, low ceiling start. So that's everything for today. That's our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. Check us out tomorrow. Uh, Enjoy all the baseball today. It's hump day. We are on the downhill slope to the weekend. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great one.